episode 318 of the Global From Asia podcast, Crowdfunding 2020. Globalfromasia.com slash crowdfunding2020. It's got some good insights for e-commerce sellers. Maybe go backwards or forwards. Sometimes you got to go in different directions. We'll talk about that in today's show. Let's tune in. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Do you guys hear that? I don't know. I don't have my normal mic. I'm still using a LAPO mic. Those are some lovebirds or parakeets. I don't know, these tropical birds. My mother-in-law bought my kids. And they're downstairs at my mother-in-law's house. I'm upstairs in our house, our apartments, really. But uh, those birds are so loud, you can hear them. It's like another building. I'm on the 24th floor. And I could hear these little birds down on the first floor, two buildings over in this complex from mother-in-law's. <laughs> What a year, what a year. I just talked to Gautier, a buddy of mine, Belgian friends in Manila, helped me move out of my apartment to Manila when I was evacuated from the Philippines. Thanks for that, buddy, and still holding my stuff, my microphones, everything. Um, and other friends like PJ Entrepreneur, he's locked out at Davao, he's in Manila, he's he's going through a hard time. I, uh, I was chatting to him today and he can't uh, get back to Davao because he's locked down a city so he's in Manila he's an American and uh, he's just saying how horrible it is because he can't get his globe load without going in person and waiting in line he says they don't let more than five people on the air uh, elevator at the same time because of the social distancing and there's like 30 floors and two elevators and he's saying you gotta like wait forever now and uh, yeah so it's tough times for all of us I hope everybody's doing better 2020 this week's show is uh, another 2020 year 2020 hindsight is always 2020 right i don't know if you like this 2020 theme i got we did the one with can chan a couple weeks ago china 2020 this is crowdfunding 2020 for the year 2020 but also looking back and looking forward you know hindsight we did some crowdfunding episodes way back in the day on this show I remember Spore Chargers. I remember talking to Martin Kessler about his uh, joystick. His He basically had this product he put on a phone and it would turn it into a, a controller. So you could have on two sides, you could turn your mobile phone into like a game controller. We had um, Ambiclimate, Julian, Lee in Hong Kong talking about his crowdfunding. We did a bunch of crowdfunding stuff back in 2014, 15, mostly those years and it's 2020 can you believe well this show's been going on a while and i haven't really talked much for crowdfunding and we have with us don wilder don don's a smart dude cool guy uh a similar path as me he, he was in guangzhou for quite some time we bumped up with each other sometimes in shenzhen and he moved down to chiang mai around the same time i did and he's still down in chiang mai i'm back in china <laughs> But he's doing some pretty awesome stuff. He's launching more products himself. We um, talk about a little bit about that there. And there's actually some investment opportunities. We put it in our members forum at gfavip.com. And he's also got a new 
program he's doing because so many people ask him how does he do what he does i mean i've i backed some of his products i've seen what he's done guys doing some amazing things and he's given up some great information totally for free on this podcast it's a really it's i think it's longer than the normal ones so i hope i don't bore you to death or you know overdo it but he keeps going with amazing value and amazing feedback so i you know i keep the mic keep the recording button on even though i'm in my lapel mic here no microphone in my little apartment here in north china with the internet as stable as possible but don gives amazing insights at the end we'll also give a uh, free masterclass that's specifically for listeners of this show that's more tailored to crowdfunding for amazon or e-commerce sellers because that's what i think is an opportunity i wanted to do with sisitano i still think it could be done for that brand i think it could be done for a lot of brands you can go backwards you can have your private label on amazon that you're doing your kind of like slightly modified products but you could kind of think of a new product in your brand lineup and launch it on kickstarter or crowdfunding and then boost all of your products you know boost all that social traffic you know boost all that brand awareness we talk about that in the show we talk about the past the future now and uh, so there's a free master class at the end and also you know just amazing stuff he's he does have a course of course and i am of course an affiliate i'm trying to you know help him out and help us out support the show and we got some special ben- benefits for the gfa vip members too but without further ado let's dive into this this deep discussion about crowdfunding in 2020 and a little bit of angle for the sellers the pl private label sellers all right let's listen in i don't know if it's me or world or something but i've been actually enjoying our private members more than more than normal um i've always enjoyed it you know especially i love people that support what we're doing here but uh i've been enjoying the calls and engaging with people i think it's because we're all stuck online and we're realizing we have to kind of be more social online and build our relationships and that's what we work really hard on with the membership so if you want to kind of connect with me and others with private calls all of our courses we have courses on dropship which is a little bit touchy subject <laughs> but of course amazon we got courses on uh, international business hong kong china you know uh scaling by outsourcing i threw that course in there sbo which used to be a standalone and uh basically every value i could think of of course our private membership and everything and when we do have real events we'll do some more of that but check it out gfavip.com and say you heard us on the podcast. All right. Thank you, everybody, for choosing to download, listen, or stream Global From Asia podcast. It's a pleasure to get a fellow Chiang Mai Thailand resident. Well, I used to be. I don't know if I'm a resident anymore, but, but Don Wilder, he's on the show. We've, we've, we've had a lot of encounters in China and in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, you know, it's been a We've been we've been in touch for many many years. I remember uh, we actually just did a little some talks about event organizing. We've both uh, you know been in the event space and the crowdfunding, uh, you know, e-commerce uh, in space for many years. And I'm really happy to get you on the show today, talking about the new crowdfunding, the new generation, the new decade. Um, so thanks for coming on, Don. Thanks for having me on the show, Mike. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're a product designer, developer, marketer, entrepreneur, and been in, like you said, like I said, uh, Shenzhen and Chiang Mai, Thailand for the last 10 years, doing a creative design lab uh, and consulting with supporting tech and fashion startups. Um, 
So do you want to give a little bit more insights about what you've been doing? Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I wouldn't mind at all. So like, like you mentioned, uh, I've been doing quite a bit of product development over the past decade. And I really got uh, my first start in China, um, in Guangzhou, where I was staying for almost seven years. Uh, many of my friends around me had factories doing all sorts of different products. Uh, one of my best friends had a factory making uh, plastic injection molds. So um, this kid and I would, would train together at the gym, we became friends, and through that, you know, I was able to kind of just explore and see all of the different, you know, sides of manufacturing in what's, you know, considered the, the workshop of the world, right? So yeah. uh, it's it's when you're over there and you're, you know, kind of connected, uh, you get to see a lot of the stuff that's being developed. Um, you, and so you could pretty much say upstream from the, the, the Western market, everything's kind of developed there and then it slowly makes its way over to the West with trade companies or, or, or whatnot. So um, that was really cool, you know, like uh, my background early on was, uh, was in graphic design. So, you know, starting in high school, I was getting into video and graphic design. So I always had kind of a, a, an eye for the, the marketing advertising side. But um, once being in China, in Guangzhou, and then in early, what, 2012, uh, some of my friends jumped into the Kickstarter scene, the crowdfunding scene. And that kind of just changed things for me. Uh, that that kind of opened up a new door, you could say, into the product development space that um, I've never really seen before. So um, that's that's really where things kind of kicked off. Yeah, and it leads right into this, this show. We're calling it crowdfunding, I guess, crowdfunding 2020. The URL will be com slash crowdfunding 2020 for everybody listening. And yeah, 2012, even with this podcast, we had shows in 2013, 14, 15, talking about crowdfunding back then with Kickstarter, Indiegogo, I can't, man, time is flying. You're talking about 2012, you know, 20, 2013. That, I mean, that's seven, eight, eight years now. I mean, so a lot's changed in the space. So, you know, we're looking back. Let's maybe start in the back, the old crowdfunding, you know. Um, how was it when you were doing it then, you know? And uh, well, we got some it guests was really, too, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's, a, there's a, a number of big changes, of course, uh, to – Kickstarter, which is the main platform that I've used, uh, but I think crowdfunding in general, um, and it's I guess it's always kind of good to make a few distinguishing points about crowdfunding because it's it's kind of a buzzword. So maybe some of your listeners sure. might not be too familiar with exactly what it is or what we're we're referring to. So um, a big thing now online is equity crowdfunding, right? Where you actually put money into a business and in return you're getting equity of that business. Uh, there's another type of crowdfunding um, that's just charitable crowdfunding, right? So sites like GoFundMe, uh, that's one of the big ones where people might, you know, catch something unfortunate happens to them and they're asking for some charitable support from the, the community. Uh, and then there's the third type, which is a reward-based crowdfunding, which is where Kickstarter and another big platform called Indiegogo come in. And so that's basically... Uh, supporting uh, a campaign in return you're getting a perk or a, a reward right so um, it's just you know basically a platform for startups especially that have a creative idea and want to want to launch something into the market and uh, through the platform they're, they're able to generate um, you know backing support 
uh, and pre-sales. You could you consider it pre-sales to have the money to from the campaigning process to go out and manufacture and send out the the, the rewards to the the backers. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I guess you know to answer your question, going back to the early days of for me crowdfunding, uh, Kickstarter started up as a platform in two thousand nine. I believe it was, uh, and it was really just for artists, for creative people. I think the first couple of things they crowdfunded were art events or music events, and uh, they pulled in some investment. They tried to build out the platform. So by about 2011, end of 2011, 2012, it's you know kind of started to become something for things outside of the arts. And um, the the person that uh, kind of brought me into it was a, a friend out in Guangzhou named Ryan and Ryan had uh, launched a brand of wooden watches on oh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, you, you yeah. probably know Ryan, right? Yeah, right. Original um, Grain, yeah. Original Grain, yeah. OG watches. And that really, you could say, uh, just opened up the eyes of a lot of us expats in China at the time. Mike Shearhorn being one of the, yeah, the also in little American expat community. Uh, so, so basically, um, Ryan and his brother created some wooden watches, very basic, not a whole lot of customization went into the watches, uh, but they launched their product in the, into 2012, I think it was. And uh, Kickstarter liked their project so much, they put it on the front page of, of Kickstarter, the, the Right. And so they just had tons of organic traffic that just you know, flooded into their campaign. And so their 30 day crowdfunding campaign raised, I think it was close to $400,000. Right. It just blew up and it was a very simple homemade style video. And, and Ryan was talking about, you know, the, the connection between his time in Hong Kong and his, his upbringing in the, in the Northwest Seattle area and kind of fusing it together with this wooden watch. And when I saw that, I'm like, I was pretty blown away. Like, what is this site? You guys are raising money. Like you haven't even manufactured the product yet. Like, how's this all work? So Ryan explained it to me. And, and that's what led me to be thinking like, Hey man, like I've got uh, an eye for design. I'm in the market. You know, I, I can, I can kind of do similar approach to what you can do. Uh, so that's where I jumped in. So my first project was uh, uh, a fashion belt that had a slider buckle. Right. And um, like I said, kind of being upstream in, in Asia, in China, there's a lot of different slider buckles already on the, on the market. Right. So most of them use like a, a click system, uh, like a plastic clip on the back of the belt that allowed you to kind of notch and get a, a closer fit. But the one that I originally found had a brake pad on it. Right. And so I saw that. And I'm like, hey, this is unique. This is interesting. It's a fashion product, you know, so there's a, a few cool things. I, I saw that fashion products are, did well on Kickstarter, you know, seeing Ryan and a few other campaign creators. So um, anyway, I jumped in and I'm like, all right, this is, this is a project. I want to at least give it a shot. So starting with that basic buckle, I went on to kind of redevelop it and make some improvements on it. You know, the, the quality of the leather, or it was PU that was in the market, a very cheap uh, synthetic leather, right? Upgraded that. And then um, within a short time, put together the, the creatives and launched the, the, the first project, Eastwood Slider Belts, uh, with two Chinese friends uh, supporting it. And um, so similar thing to Ryan, you know, like I didn't have a huge expectation moving into it. This is beginning of 2013. Uh, we set our funding goal at 15,000 USD. 
and thinking, you know, we'll, we'll see how it does. And, and, uh, you know, we were blown away because the, I think it was moving into the second day, we had already passed our funding goal. Uh, and we, we were just catching steam, you know? So 30 days later, we raised over 120,000 USD. And I mean, I'm shocked. I'm like, I, I wasn't even promoting it. And what was crazy is we put a total of zero dollars into our marketing, right? So that was a hundred percent organic traffic coming from Kickstarter on the platform. And, um, you know, looking back, I'm thinking like, damn, like what, what would have happened if I actually would have tried to drive Facebook ads or done some, some marketing of some, some sort. Uh, but um, at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot of people using outside traffic, pushing from uh, Facebook or YouTube, whatever, to a crowdfunding campaign. It was just like, that's the site and it's organic traffic and that's how it is. So, um, so anyway, it was a success and that, that kind of gave uh, money to develop further projects after that. So um, with the funding, we used, me and uh, two partners, we used part of that to develop a, another project, which um, was a laptop stand. And that was a, a much more, you could say, original project that wasn't anything quite like it on the market yet. And it was just an idea that I had roaming the the markets in Shenzhen, uh, you know, the Hua Changbei, Hua right? Changbei, yeah. It's the massive electronics market called Hua Changbei. If you haven't, Heard of it or seen it? You should look it up. I think on YouTube there's a bunch of cool videos, and it's yeah, just this. I did a video on it. Oh, okay, yeah, fantastic! Yeah, yeah. I'll post the link to that in this video because yeah, it's like sure. an amazing place. It really is. It's a great place just to go and get um, inspired by the different type of products that are that are getting into the market. Because if you want to really trend spot on what's happening in China and then potentially what's what's going to be you know on the market shelves in the West, it kind of starts in Huachangbei, right? Um, so. So anyway, I saw a product there, uh, a laptop, or it's actually a phone stand that uses like a, a plate system that folds up and you can set your phone on there. And um, that's what made me think like, hey, you know, if you can do this for a phone, why don't you just make it a little bit bigger and use a similar, you know, mechanic to, to put a laptop on there. And um, so I shared the idea with my, my two Chinese partners. You know, as I mentioned, this, this one partner uh, friend, Daniel, had a steel injection mold factory so the manufacturing side was a breeze and then the other partner that we we uh, worked with had a, an industrial design company so we had like 15 industrial designers on staff so i, I kind of had an <laughs> resource you know kind of this toolbox right there so i've got my ideas like all right let's let's do this and, and put it together pretty pretty damn quick uh, so that second campaign launched you know after eastwood slider belts got funded probably within about six weeks, we launched the next campaign, you know, just trying to like really rush into it. And um, that time I pulled out about four, four grand uh, uh, talking with a friend that did Facebook marketing. He said, Hey, you killed it with Eastwood slider belts. Let us work with you on your next campaign. So I gave him, if I recall, it was about 4,000 4, USD and he, and he drove um, some Facebook traffic. And, um, and so that little pro uh, laptop stand, we raised 75,000 USD uh, on Kickstarter. And I think it was like a 35 day campaign, if I recall. But um, but the, the ROI off of the Facebook ads was actually pretty good too. So it's kind of a point thing like, hey, all right, you could actually drive outside traffic as well to a crowdfunding campaign. And it would convert because, you know, I mean, if for new people going to Kickstarter, signing up, creating an account, there's a number of things they have to do, right? So your conversion rates are going to drop. It's not like going to Amazon. You already, you already have your information, one touch buy, 
Like most people uh, don't 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 do that with uh, un unfamiliar sites. So, um, but anyway, so that was that's going back way back to answer your question. Uh, the early days of crowdfunding. Yeah, man, that's some cool stuff, man. Thanks for thanks for filling us in. Um, yeah, like we said, you know, we're you know we we've done some kick. We haven't done crowdfunding talk on this show for years, years. Um, but I did want to kind of use the angle of, you know, the PL, the, the Amazon sellers. I think, you know, we've, we've kind of gotten more into the, um, a lot of these people making their own, their own brands, but they're not doing the most, uh, you know, groundbreaking product. They're usually slightly altering a product. You know, we, we did a case study live, you know, we did the coffee pots, which was kind of like private label. Right. So, um, a lot of them I know, even me, we just launched directly on Amazon. You know, we, we, we do our Amazon research. We look at a product, you know, we look at the competitive, the reviews, the search volume, and then we make some, we read the negative reviews. We make some slight mm -hmm. alterca you know, alterations. Like that's what I did with the coffee pot. We fixed a handle for heat resistance. We fixed a leaking gasket we read on other negative reviews. We fixed a couple other things. And then we just put it out there. Um, you know, made some nice branding. Got brand registry as soon as we could for the, you know, the other perks of that. But, you know, we, I haven't really talked to many people that have done like Kickstarter to, well, actually, that was some other question. Kickstarter and go go. Maybe we can quickly talk about that. But you know, I do want to kind of talk today about a PL sellers to go into crowdfunding. Um, is that something you're hearing about often now? Is that something? Is that changed over the years? Is that are people yeah. going back and forth between these two worlds of crowdfunding? You know, yeah. reward crowdfunding and uh, and Amazon right. and e commerce. So so yeah, man. There's plenty there to unpack. Like I know. I know uh, so. Many of my friends that have never done crowdfunding, like I'm, I'm more in the space where uh, I've done a lot on crowdfunding and less on, on Amazon, right? Like I'm getting into Amazon more uh, in, in the past year, but um, my friends that jumped into Amazon early, uh, they've they've done really well, right? Leveraging what their success from crowdfunding and, and going over, and if you evaluate the 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 process. It's, it's a wonderful, you could say like a one-two punch, right? Uh, between getting that early momentum from crowdfunding to launch an original prod, a product that goes to Amazon and from Amazon, you're able to have a much more uh, competitive barrier from the, the competition, right? Because the problem with private labeling, if you talk to the guys that are selling on Amazon or they're interested in selling, they kind of all run up into the same thing that they end up selling the same product with slight variations. Uh, so the in competition is extreme, right? And for, for, for many people, I mean, they're even directly, directly competing with the manufacturer or other larger Chinese trade companies that are willing to lose money, right? As long as they can beat out all the competition and they'll do it for a long period of time. So it's, it's ruthless, right? And, um, and Amazon is a platform that they're not going to take concern to, you know, who's, who's like doing what or whatever. So there's, I know there's a lot of black hat in there as well that makes it tough. But when you launch a, a project, a product that's original, of course you can file for, for patents. You can file for trademarks to have a registered brand on Amazon, which gives you even more space to, to you know, breathe. And, uh, and I mean, even for, for catching eyeballs, you know, like 
when you hop on Amazon and you've got 20 products that look the same and you've got one that's unique, uh, you know, I think it, that's going to give its own um, uh, way of, of improving the, the conversion. But um, yeah, so I think the, the process definitely is great. I mean, if you were to kind of step back and evaluating what crowdfunding can offer an Amazon uh, private labeler, I think that it offers tons of value, right? Yeah. Because, um, you know, launching a new product on Amazon, like what you did was smart, of course. I think everyone's kind of following that process of doing some, some heavy or deep market research prior to the launch, but you still have to invest in all that stock, right? I mean, you yeah. still have to kind of pull the trigger and just put down your opening order of however many units for the MOQs and then yeah. ship it, get it checked in, run a, run a, a promotional launch and giveaways. And like yeah. it, it costs a lot, right? So if you look at crowdfunding, what's required to crowdfund the product, I mean, you're looking at, a lot, lot less uh, cost upfront, uh, depending on your approach and, and your fundraising goals. But I mean, you're looking at developing uh, a prototype, right? Like a, you could say a high fidelity prototype, which looks very real to like the end product. Uh, so it's gotta be, it's gotta look real. It's gotta be functional for your, for your marketing videos and such. Uh, but that process, I mean, that, that that's gonna cost substantially less than just dropping an opening order at a factory for, for, you know, um, so, you know, crowdfunding also can mitigate a lot of risk because when you're, when you're crowdfunding, uh, you're not only getting pre-sales, assuming that people are backing your campaign, but you're also able to validate that, that market demand as well. Right. Um, and you can even get early feedback from your ideal customers and customers, whether, you know, they're, they're your early adopters. So they are kind of unique in some ways, but I mean, during the crowdfunding campaign process, I've done this as I'm like launching out the product saying, Hey guys, quick survey, uh, you know, of the, of the hundreds of backers or a thousand of backers that's supporting being like, what do you think of this color? Like we could go with this color option or we could go with that color option. We could do this feature, or that feature. Uh, for, for the product that we ship out, which one would you rather have? Right. And overnight getting hundreds of responses to being like, Oh, we totally love the black over the, over the blue. Like you should definitely do the black. Right. And so as a product creator, no longer am I making guesses about what, what the, the end customer probably wants, but I'm using that data as well. And that feedback and, um, you know, Kickstarter has a pretty cool community of backers. Mm. Uh, these are not, you know, the, the, the back, you could say kind of the, the typical backer, uh, type, they, they are fairly educated, right? So, um, upper mid to upper level, uh, income. And, um, so you're getting guys on there that some of them are engineers, some of them have experience in product development, some have, you know, so you get a wide range of feedback off of even just surveying backers, which was, uh, which is cool. You know, I feel like a lot of campaign creators don't leverage that. But for people that are looking at moving the product into the market, that early, early, of course, market validation and that early feedback can, can do huge things, you know, because like once you, once you get your product manufactured and get it over to Amazon or wherever you're going to sell it, I mean, you can't really change much, right? So being able to, to make, make note on areas that you can make improvements on early on is, uh, is really, really fantastic. I do agree, but I have to think about the people. I, I mean, I think you know these sellers, you know, and sellers are different. You're, I still think you're more like an inventor. You know, you're an, in, there's invent, 
I don't know, would, would you say, some people might say, I'm not an inventor. I can't think, you know, I, I can't think of an original product. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of extra time. You know, that's, I'm just being devil's advocate here, but I'm, I just know some people are listening. They're just like, they know those benefits, but they're like, oh, I got, I got to think of something really unique. You know, I got to think of something new. I, mean, yeah. I don't want to be like kind of a hacker here, but is there any hacks or short, you know, how new or unique does it have to be to really crowdfund it? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I, I'll be honest, like there's sometimes I hop on the platform and I'm surprised. I'm like, really? Like this project can make that much, right? Uh, so there, there really is a, a balance between unique innovation that happens, like some, some crazy invention or some crazy new idea, crazy like application that hasn't been seen before, and then just good marketing. Like, uh, for instance, right now on Kickstarter, there's a campaign. I can, I can drop you the link a little later. It's like the kitty bowl, right? And it's a, it's a cat water dish. It looked pretty plain to me, but... I mean, I think it's only been a, a week or a little over a week and they've raised over a quarter million dollars, like over 250 some thousand dollars for a cat water dish, right? You, I mean, I look at it, I'm not like seeing any massive innovation around it. it it's a nice design, right? Uh, the marketing sales page on the campaign page, they've done a really good job walking people through, you know, having the cat's perspective on, on the water dish, right? But it's stuff like that that I'm like, wow, like the, the, the platform doesn't necessarily stop people that are doing a, a product like this from seeing some substantial success. Uh, but, you know, with that, again, this company is using an outside uh, agency to drive traffic from Facebook, right? And the, the backer audience on Kickstarter now, like Kickstarter has, I think it's, no, 15 million some um, backers that have backed projects before. So it's it's a very, very large backer base that's you can target on Facebook. Got so it. they're probably driving very relevant focused traffic to get people to convert on their on their campaign. Yeah. But I guess the point being the point being you don't have to invent some some crazy gadget or widget in order to have a successful campaign. You don't, man. Okay. Like if you can, if you can spot a product on Amazon, you say, Oh, this, this, this has some market opportunity. Where is the competition slacking? Right. And then also having kind of a one up on the design. Right. Uh, I think there's, there's going to be some overlap as you move over to crowdfunding space because crowdfunding, you know, like you've got, at least for hardware, you've got design, right. You've got tech and you've got some fashion. So, there's a wide array of types of project projects that you can get onto the platform. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, to, to kind of pull that back in a nutshell, I'd say there's, there's part of it that you do want to research and see what types of products do well on crowdfunding. Uh, but like with that, it doesn't have to be some wild innovation that's happening, right? It just needs to be a nice design. I think even like just lifestyle products can do well on Kickstarter. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I won't, I'll tell you a story that I think is kind of funny. Um, sure. Happened to me a couple of times as I was a, a consultant, a crowdfunding consultant in China for Chinese startups and some of them weren't startups, they're big companies, but 
Um, so a, a company comes to me, this is what, 2015, 2016, a Chinese company, and they make backpacks, right? And they say, hey, like, we, we've heard about this thing, Kickstarter, and we really want to crowdfund our new, new backpack. Can you help us? And so my role then was pretty much to evaluate the product. Does it have potential for, for Kickstarter for crowdfunding? If so, I help them set up their creatives and put it, you know, and, and um, do the full management of the campaign and such. But, uh, but I, I looked at their product and I'm like, hmm, this backpack looks awfully familiar, right? But I couldn't remember where I'd seen it from. So, so I, uh, I, you know, get their, their catalog. I look at the stuff. And then a couple of days later, I realized where I'd seen the backpack. It was a copycat bag of the Bobby bag that went on to Kickstarter and raised, oh man, the Bobby bag at the time was the biggest backpack project. I think it was, it was a couple million dollars, right? Wow. Substantial amount of money that the Bobby bag raised. And when I saw that, I'm looking at their bag, I'm looking at the Bobby bag, I'm like, it's the same damn bag. So, so we have a meeting and I'm like, you know, why are you guys copying the Bobby bag? Like, this is the exact same bag. And they're like, no, no, no. Like, the Bobby bag is uh, basically, you know, our, our client. We're manufacturing for them. But we decided to make our own style of the bag. And you see the zipper, the Bobby bag zipper, one zipper's down here, but our zipper's up here, you know? And I'm thinking, like, dang. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to touch this project, right? Because I can only imagine I launched this on Kickstarter. I helped them. And yeah, there's going to yeah. be a whole entourage of backers being like, you copied the Bobby bag, right? Yeah. So, uh, so I tell them, no, I said, I don't, I don't, I don't want to work on this campaign with you. But they were, you know, they had, they had a budget to, to create some nice creatives and stuff. And I'm like, still, like, I'm not interested. But two of my Chinese friends that were, you could say, kind of hustlers that were, were always looking for projects, right? They, uh, they heard about it and they contacted the factory <laughs> the project, right? So they set up the bag uh, project and um, a couple months later, they launched it. And dude, it, 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 it blew my mind. Like this bag that they showed me, they didn't even make any additional changes after I talked to them or anything. They, they launched the bag. And they raised over a million dollars with this copycat Bobby bag, right? Um, and again, it was good marketing, well, well laid out page. And uh, looking back, realizing the price. Well, yeah, that's that's one area that um, even for creators, as I've I've seen it happen a few different times for, through crowdfunding. I mean, if the Chinese, especially, are you know they're innovators, they're, and then not just the Chinese, I think globally. It, Kickstarter is a, a, a global platform. So you're going to get eyeballs from all around the world that, you know, if a project's successful, it gets you know, scattered across the internet. But, um, but definitely being savvy about how you go about your, your uh, patents, you know, even filing a provisional patent. Yeah, exactly. Is very if, you're, if your market's in the States and even filing a patent in China, there's companies that you can work with to file a patent in China and they're also very cheap. Yeah. So if you, a cool product and cool design um it's better that you do tr you attempt you know your best effort to file a patent but 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 i guess that it, i mentioned that scenario just because it, it also showcases something about kickstarter as a platform uh because you know um they did 
not only have a successful raise, but they went over a million dollars, which is a very, very hard thing to do. Uh, so it indicates that there was really a, a strong demand on Kickstarter for this type of a product, right? Got it. Yeah. So many different backpack projects that have gone on there. Yeah, I've seen a lot of, I know people have done bags, a few people have done bags, yeah. Yeah, yeah so. so, all right. So, um, yeah, I mean, this has been a fascinating discussion. I think my last hesitation that I think listeners are thinking about is the amount of time it takes to prepare the campaign. You know, even we, like when we launched that coffee pot, the Sisitano brand, we didn't do kick, Kickstarter crowdfunding because we just felt like it was going to be a lot, of ex, a lot of time. We were like anxious to just sell. We want to get into fourth quarter. We're trying to get to fourth quarter. You know, mm-hmm. um, so what's the normal time frame somebody should think about from like idea to selling on it to, to doing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah good question. Uh, now, yeah, it, again, the, the time frame can really depend based off of your, your goals for the, for the funding right? Like yeah. how much you're trying to raise. The more that you're trying to raise, the more effort you need to prepare. You know, it's almost like building a, a building. If you're going to build a house, you, know, you should probably go down 10 feet to put in the foundation. Or put up a, a skyscraper, right? You're going to go way down. So it takes more time. And by going down, I, I mean like just, um, yeah, preparation. And, and what's big in crowdfunding now is a, a, a pre-launch process. So instead of going day one to the platform and launching your campaign, when you run a pre-launch, you're basically doing, uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're building out an email list before you even get to Kickstarter, right? So you're doing your, your buzz, you know, campaign buzz and building out awareness and building out an email list. So when you launch on crowdfunding, you know, your, your Kickstarter Indiegogo day one, you hit your funding goal, whatever, whatever it is. Within the first 24 to 40 hours, you want to try to hit your funding goal. And that's going to give you some major momentum to push through the rest of the campaign, right? So that, uh, that pre-launch process, you know, I think most companies, startups that try to raise a bigger figure, maybe six figures on, on crowdfunding, they'll spend, you know, five, six weeks just uh, uh, doing the pre-launch process, just, you know, list building. So um, if you're looking for a smaller raise, maybe, you know, uh, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, uh, you wouldn't even need that long. Maybe a couple of weeks before you launch, you can, you okay. can kind of do the process. Yeah. Cool. And I, I think. Uh, uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, more. Sorry. Yeah. So I mean, I guess like I only answered about half the the question off that, but um, but how long you need to prepare? Uh, again, I mean, if you're if you're familiar with setting up your creatives, your your video, your your copy, uh, your graphics then the process can move quite quickly. If you're not, and you're, you're trying to collaborate with other companies or freelancers that are doing that, you should also kind of budget in some extra time for that process. So it could be with the creatives, it could be as short as two weeks. If you're fast, if it's long, it could be, you know, four weeks. Got it. Yeah. And then of course the campaign's like a month. The campaign. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, typically most campaigns are about 30 days yeah. uh, on, on the, Indiegogo and Kickstarter, you can go up to two months, so 60 days. Mm. Uh, so, like, yeah, I mean, on average, not, not many campaigns need to go over 30 days unless you're really trying to push hard on raising more. Yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah, like the longer campaigns from what I've seen, it's more of an approach to um, push harder on the traditional PR. You know, like when you're trying to connect with a reporter or with, a, I don't know, a journalist or a blog, 
that process of outreach can take a lot longer. So the longer the campaign, the more time you have to go back and forth. But as far as like Facebook marketing goes, 30 days, man, I mean, you're, 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 you can raise, uh, you know, over a million dollars easily. Awesome. Okay. Well, um, I think the big opportunity, and I've been thinking about it, I, I wish maybe I have to find some of these people, but I think somebody's already successful on Amazon with maybe a more generic product that has a brand could then take a, like a more unique or tweaked product and then launch that on Amazon under the same brand. I think that would like propel their other products. And then they could also, they also have a, hopefully they've been building an email list. I know Amazon, you don't get the emails, but hopefully on their website, you already have an email list. You already have traction on Amazon. You know, I think that's like, I don't know. I mean, that's what I think for launching a product now. I mean, and then you're boosting your other products, boosting your, you know, boosting your brand. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a huge, uh, opportunity. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping people could get from today, you know, like you don't have to just start some new invention and a uh, new brand, you know, you could take an existing brand and product line and, and, and explode with uh, a new, new product inside that brand. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it can definitely go both ways. Uh, the, the thing is, if you are already an established brand on Amazon, it's nice because, you've got some trust factor there, right? So if you do launch a new product, it goes to crowdfunding. You can even show your company face, which you know a lot of backers now are more hesitant to support projects because they've been burned. Like a lot of creators, they either for ethical reasons, they don't ship, or I think mostly it's just problems manufacturing and shipping. That's like the real heavy part of the campaign, right? And um, so I think I've heard something like one in 10 campaigns don't actually ship out rewards. So that's a pretty high percent. Yeah, it's happened to me, man. I bought stuff and I haven't gotten it. Yeah, I think pretty much everyone that, that backs crowdfunding campaigns often, I mean, they get burnt from different creators and it's always very unexpected. Uh, but that said, if, you, if you're already an established Amazon, so that, that does help give you some clout, you could say. Uh, but also, I mean, when you do crowdfund, you, you, you finish your campaign and you're driving... Uh, most of this traffic over to your, your Amazon page where people are seeing your other products. And if they like your, your, your crowdfunded product, there's a good chance that they're also going to feed into your, your you know, full product line potentially. Okay. Yeah. I mean, uh, I hope people are getting that, you know, motivation because I know we have some great listeners that maybe already are selling, already experienced, you know, we are a lot of people I know listen are, uh, are more, you know, more savvy. So I hope they can get some inspiration, inspiration from that. And, yeah, I think now, I mean, this has been amazing. It's gone a little bit longer than I was expecting, but I mean, you're always, you're giving amazing value and um, you're also, you know, maybe we can share about the masterclass. You, you put together something for us for like an encore, even more, even more amazing stuff. You want to, want to share what, what you got for us? Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of anticipated, uh, you know, a podcast can only go for so long, but I, I really did want to kind of dig down and offer a lot of value for people that are, uh, selling on Amazon or interested in selling on Amazon and figuring out how the, the connection with crowdfunding works. So um, I put together a, a masterclass that I'm offering your members to check out for free. And um, in that masterclass, I'm just going to go in depth as far as the advantages of um, leveraging crowdfunding to, to launch products on Amazon. And um, there's, there's really a, a, a beautiful synergy between the two. Uh, sides, right? Because I mean, Amazon, it's just this monster e-commerce site that's taking over the 50 cents of every dollar spent online, right? And then you've got this crowdfunding uh, little platform on the, on the other side 
that is just perfect for mitigating risk and getting new products uh, into the market, uh, you know, without, without investing substantial amounts of money that a traditional product launch would take. So if you can use the two well, um, you can really see some awesome success. And uh, in, that, in that masterclass, I'll also go into some of the different companies that have done just that and uh, kind of give it a, break, a breakdown of what they raised on crowdfunding and then going to Amazon and what their, what their monthly and annual sales look like after. That's really great, man. And then uh, also you're, you're doing a full-blown program. You're coming out with a, a course and everything. So that'll, that'll also be, we can link to that also in the show notes. And, uh, yeah, you bet. So I, yeah, just a little a tidbit about the, the course too. So um, launch funded is just something I put together. I've had so many friends that be like, man, you really should do a course. You should put together some sort of a, you know, information to teach people what you've, what you've learned, you know, in the, in the past eight years with, with crowdfunding and product development. And um, I really didn't take it very seriously until COVID came. And I'm like, dang, man, I mean, I, I can do more projects. I've already got a lot of projects going on, just different stuff I'm, I'm developing. But um, I'm like, yeah, but this would be kind of cool. I realized with the, the downturn in the economy as well, there's going to be a lot of people that, that want to try to escape that traditional nine to five and the job security that's no longer that secure and look for a way to make you know, income online or through e-commerce. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so, yeah, so I put together a, a free course actually as well. Uh, you can, you can put the link and then, um, okay. and then I'm doing an accelerator course, which is, um, uh, a full course that goes very in depth about A to Z on crowdfunding, everything you're going to want to need to know to really kick ass. Right. Okay. And I'm also going to be opening up my network and my resources through that. Uh, so people that need help in different areas will get it. And Facebook group where you can get coaching from me and some other, um, successful creators within the group and okay. just, you know, have that community and accountability uh so so yeah i'm quite excited about it yeah man it's exciting so yeah we got a lot of value and then also there's so much we've been talking about a couple of it. it's small investment you, you got so many projects going on you got a couple of them we can't share them too publicly it's something we're experimenting with but we'll also list a couple of your investment opportunities for some of the new right. products you're launching for the for the gfa vip community so it's really it's really awesome, man. I'll, I'll, uh, I really appreciate uh, you sharing so much. And uh, there's so much more that you have for, for listeners. So thanks again, Don. And uh, so that's, that's uh, we'll link it in the show notes. So the show notes will be at globalfromasia.com slash crowdfunding 2020. Uh, and then we'll have all these links, show notes, and uh, everything there, uh, video and audio files of this uh, episode and uh, and more. So thanks again, Don, for sharing. It's awesome, man. It's an intense, intense session. All right. My pleasure, Michael. Thanks for having me on the show. Cheers, buddy. Do you enjoy the show? Do you enjoy... I mean, this we are a content team, okay? That's what I've become, a content creator. I love creating content. And we work with other podcasters, other online businesses to help them create content. And... You know, I'm not doing the studio stuff, photo, video, but we do do text and we do audio and video editing to help people make amazing content. It gets traffic to their websites, to their businesses, and we've had people working with us for, for going on years now. So if you're interested in that and you, you like what we're doing, content investments. Thank you so much, Don. Really, really appreciate that one. Um, 
there's a lot of information there. I mean, I think that alone, this podcast alone, hopefully, for first of all, inspires you. You know, it's there's so much to do. I know you're thinking like, oh man, just a lot of work. Everything is work. But if you can think about it, if you already got a brand and you're, you got, you know, maybe some money, you got some uh, time or you got some people on your team. I don't want to say it's like easy, but it's almost like you're just two birds, one stone. If you're keeping your same brand, you got a trademark, you got your experience in your product, your factories, you make a, a flagship new product that could like launch and that could take your product, all your products to the next level, your brand to the next level, right? So, <clears throat> you know, I, I think that's the long term. That's what I think I've been talking about in the show for so long. I think, you know, there's patents. We did, we did mention patents. But I think trademark is the most valuable thing, your brand, you know, that, you know, whether it's a product brand, personal brand, service brand, you know, the show's brand, my personal name brand, which, you know, scary, you you know, you got, you got to, you know, put your money where your mouth is, you got to like back yourself up, you got to deliver, you know, deliver though, make sure you're delivering. I've backed people on Kickstarter, even personal friends, and I'm so disappointed it didn't deliver. So please deliver, you know. Um, and of course, you got the masterclass. He, he made especially for our listeners. So you can hop on over to the link in the show notes at globalformasia.com slash crowdfunding2020. It does ask for an email. It goes to his list. And I am an affiliate. So if you do buy his program, which is a very affordable price, especially for the first first few, um, you will you know get some value. And I think it's uh, definitely worth your time. And if you're a GFA VIP member, uh, we do have some investment opportunities in our forum. And, uh, you know, he's also active in our community and, you know, can help you out a bit too. Um, That's really all for this week's show. I am actually preparing for our members call. We have members calls at least once a month, sometimes more, uh, you know, round tables, hot seats, uh, special guests. Um, They're never recorded. I know even some of our members are asking me for the recording. They can't make it. I'm really sorry, but you can enjoy these podcasts. We have a whole lineup of courses. I've made so many video courses that are private. I put all of them in our membership, but I don't record a member call because it's meant to be personal real time. And I might even not wear a shirt. No, (laughs) I'm thinking about wearing a tank top today on the call, but uh, this is the point of them to be casual and uh, relaxed and and get to know each other. So let me think here. I think I'm blabbing enough. I don't hear those birds anymore, but I hope I caught that on audio. I don't know if Alvin got that in the show. Does chirp, 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 but I hear him here working. I'm on a 24th floor in this urban concrete jungle in Northeast Dongbei, China. Wherever you guys are, I, I hope you're safe. Safety first, health first. You know, I keep hearing really sad stories of divorces and, uh, you know, separations from families and, uh, you know, lost income, lost businesses. It's a rough year. It's beating a lot of us up. And uh, I hope I hope we're getting through it stronger. We're going to get through this stronger. I think the world is going to be definitely different. You know, if you're selling online, if you're doing online business, I think you're in a good position if you're already doing it. If you're not already doing it, you know, I think there's... It's not, you know, it's not going to stop. You know, the world's going online. And, uh, you know, I thought it was too late to get an e-commerce when I started selling in 2004. Can you believe that? I was in a hotel. I got in one of those MLM scams. <laughs> I signed up for the MLM thing. It's just selling a product online, drop shipping. I had no idea what I was doing. 3000 something, $6,000, I think. <clears throat> it was a financial plan. You know, I paid monthly for many years. But, uh, 
people there, we all thought, man, it's too late. I remember the guy on the stage saying, it's not too late to get online. And this is 2004, okay? 2004. And even I was hesitant. I'm like, man, people already got online stores. People already, you know, eBay is already there. People are already buying online. Like, what am I, what product am I going to have that's different? What business? You just got to do it, okay? I mean, I get myself in trouble, really, because I just do stuff. But I do think there's there's a balance of doing it and uh, thinking about it. You got to take action. If you don't take action, you're just going to keep on listening to podcasts and uh, watching YouTube videos and courses. You got you to get your hands dirty. You got to go into there. And uh, I hope today's show inspired you. I know crowdfunding is a huge project. I can't say I've done it myself. It's been on my list there's so many things to do I know I know a lot of you I know a lot of listeners personally and I know you know we got so much to do but it does seem like a winning combination you have a brand on Amazon or e-commerce you want to kind of go to the next level think of a kind of a little bit newer style kind of a product even as some modification launch it on crowdfunding you hopefully you build an email list somehow I know Amazon they don't get the emails but hopefully you're creative to get a list there or your website your social media man it just seems like yeah it's work it's hard takes time but uh, I would love to hear if some of you guys took action on that or had questions or I'm gonna try to get maybe I'm look for more people doing that but it seems like there's still this divide of the crowdfunding people and the e-commerce people you know I do feel like that has to kind of join forces more over the years let's see where the world goes again show notes links to the masterclass the forum for private members and others at globalfromasia.com slash crowdfunding 2020 2020 crowdfunding 2020 all right see y'all later bye-bye to get more info about running an international business please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com that's www.globalfromasia.com also be sure to subscribe to our itunes feed Thanks for tuning in.